0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. I'm always excited to speak on Bible prophecy. Back in 1988, my wife and I had the opportunity to travel to the Holy Land for the very first time. And immediately, I became intrigued with the land of Jesus, and a lot of prophecy that we were walking through. And ever since then, I have been baptized, immersed with Bible prophecy. It's just become a passion to me. I've had the opportunity to lead groups to the Holy Land many, many times, Uh, Through the years, as a result of that, my very first message I preached in the Holy Land was at the Sea of Galilee. I'll never forget that. It was a great experience, but from that experience, the Lord brought the passion of preaching on Bible prophecy, and uh, this is one of the most treasured topics for me. I don't believe that I have all the answers. The truth of the matter is I don't believe anybody does. But I know a lot about the subject, and I pray that just a little bit of what's in my heart will be able to be transferred into yours. We have a lot to speak about in these next seven or eight weeks to come. And this morning, I want to begin the series with this message, The Signs of the Times. And I would like to ask you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. And I want you to follow along with me as we read. We're going to read many scriptures today, and so I want you to just be like a spiritual sponge and soak up as much as you possibly can uh, in this series. In the signs of the times, the sermon that we're going to speak about today, I'm going to give you 10 signs that have already been fulfilled. All of these signs are necessary prior to the rapture. And I want to mention something else that some of these signs will be duplicated in the tribulation. We're going to be talking about that as well. Bible prophecy can be very confusing if you lose track for a few moments of what we're talking about. Don't let your minds wander. Stay focused. But beyond a shadow of a doubt, the stage is set. It's in place for the Lord Jesus to return. I want to emphasize something to you as well, that nothing else in the realms of prophecy has to be fulfilled for him to return. Everything is done. Having said that, you need to remember that his coming, the rapture, because it's two advents, He will come in the rapture, we'll meet the Lord in the air, we'll talk much about that. Seven years later, he will come in the revelation, we'll talk much about that. So, there are basically two advents of his second coming. But his coming in the rapture, when we meet the Lord in the air, it will be unannounced. He will come as a thief in the night. None of these signs will be like banners or flags flapping in the wind that gives you a heads up for when he's coming. His coming is imminent. It could happen at any moment. But all of these particular signs that I'm going to give you today are already in place. For example, if you could visualize with me just for a moment, the platform that I speak on today has many things in place for the service to begin. All of these things have very significance of importance. They're all in place and they're here for different reasons and they're all representing something. Everything that needs to be in place on the stage of prophecy For the Lord Jesus to return is in place. Nothing is yet to be fulfilled prior to the rapture. If you're not familiar with the rapture and the difference between that and the revelation, you'll be very familiar with it when this series is over. But let's begin. And we start with Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse number 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, he being Jesus, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ. And shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. In this particular text, Jesus was in the process of giving what is called the Olivet Discourse. It's probably known as the greatest sermon that Jesus ever preached. And in this powerful end time message, Jesus was foretelling about the destruction of Jerusalem. And because of that, it provoked great curiosities and fear within the hearts of the disciples that prompted them to begin asking Jesus questions about his second coming and the end of the world. They wanted to know all that they possibly could know about the subject. And I believe that it should be the same desire within the heart of every born-again believer to know as much as they possibly can about this subject as well. But pertaining to the end of the age and Bible prophecy that will usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ, there are several signs that must be in place to complete the setting of the stage. For his return. And as I've already announced, that the stage has indeed been completed and is set. All of the signs are in place. In fact, it actually started to be set in place all the way back in Genesis when God established his everlasting covenant with Abraham. And I want you to see this in Genesis chapter 17, verses 4 through 8. I'm going to read that passage of Scripture because this is important. At the age of 90 years old, God promised Abraham that his descendants would inherit the land of Canaan. And the Scripture says in Genesis 17, beginning in verse number 4, As for me, behold, my covenant... Is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed and after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God." So in this covenant that God promised his people, he promised them an enormous amount of land and prosperity. But God told his people with great warning, he said, I'm going to do this for you, but you have to be very careful as to how you walk and how you esteem me in your life. He told his people with great warning that if you turn away from me, God said, I'm going to bring down this prosperity and I'm going to put you into a terrible time of tribulation. In fact, we see this in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 19 and 20. Keep in mind the covenant that I've just read to you that God made to Abraham and his people. If they kept his ways and walked in his ways, God said he would bless them. But if they turned, God said, he would curse them. And we find this in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 19. God said, but if you turn away and forsake my statues and my commandments, which I have set before you and shall go and serve other gods and worship them. Now, you need to look at this very carefully. Then I will pluck them up by the roots out of my land which I have given them and this house which I have sanctified for my name will I cast out of my sight and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. So the covenant was good as long as Israel obeyed God and as long as they walked in his ways. But then there came a point in time when Israel turned from the commandments of God. They disobeyed him. And so as a result of Israel turning their backs on God, after God had given them great warning, God fulfilled his word. Because of the rebellion and the disobedience of his people, God said, I'm going to now disperse you all over the world. If you had kept my word and you had obeyed me, I would have given you much prosperity, many opportunities. But now I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to fulfill my word. And now you're going to be punished for going against my word. And we find the retribution of God in Jeremiah chapter 9, Beginning in verse number 13, God said, you're going to be dispersed and you're going to have much opposition. And here it is in Jeremiah chapter nine, verse 13, they will get all of these scriptures on the screen. You have it in your bulletin. Maybe you're following along in your Bible, but please don't lose track. In Jeremiah chapter nine, verse 13, the Bible says, and the Lord said, because They have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, neither walked therein, but have walked after the imagination of their own heart, and after Balaam, which their fathers taught them. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel Behold, I will feed them, even this people, with wormwood, and give them water of gall to drink. I will scatter them also among the heathen whom neither they nor their fathers have known. I will send a sword after them till I have consumed them. So here is the thing. The rebellion that Israel had with God is the very reason why the Jewish people are so hated today in many different ways. The anti-sentimism that has followed the Jewish people for thousands of years, even up until now. This is the reason why. But let me say this, that there is absolutely nothing that the Jewish people have done that excuses the persecution that they have received by the hands of evil, wicked people on this earth. No matter what, we have to remember that the Jewish people are God's chosen people we have to remember that the word of God teaches us to love them. The word of God teaches us to pray for them, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. The word of God teaches us to stand with them and to give them priority to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The other important thing is this, that God always honors his word regardless of who it pertains to. And he had made a holy declaration to his people they turned their backs on God. And as a result, now God would punish them. And so as you think about this, and you're looking at these 10 signs, again, this goes all the way back to the beginning. God had dispersed them. God had brought a lot of hatred and persecution their way because of rebellion and disobedience. But now God will also honor his word and bringing them back that's what he said he would do in fact the first sign that I'm going to give you this morning concerning signs of the times number one is this God promised that he would regather his people back to the land that sign number one God promised to regather his people back To their land. And gradually over a period of the last 2000 years, Israel has gradually been coming back together in astronomical numbers. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 21, the word says this, and saying to them, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. So God said this in the realms of prophecy. If you disobey me, I'm going to disperse you all over the world. I'm going to bring tribulation and punishment upon you. But God is always gracious. He's always merciful. God said this punishment will not go on forever. There will come a time. I will bring you back into the land. And this prophecy was given by Ezekiel. And I want you to think about that. This is extremely important. God never said, listen carefully, don't lose me here. God did not say that he would bring them back to the land of the Palestinians. God said he would bring them back to their own land. Can the church say amen? One of the biggest problems in the Middle East today is the controversy between the Israelis and the Palestinians over land. God said he would bring his people back to their land. So one of the most important things that needed to be set on the stage of the end times was that Israel had to become a nation. And that's exactly what has happened. That was fulfilled on May the 14th, 1948. That's the first sign. That's what I want you to write down on your notes. First of all, Israel, the rebirth of Israel as a nation. The second thing is this. The Jewish people would return to their homeland from all over the world. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 7 and 8, the word says, Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that they shall no more say, The Lord liveth which brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but the Lord liveth which brought up and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country, and from all countries whether I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. Now, this is, is the prophecy of a massive exodus. I want you to think about that from all over the world. And how well do we remember the first exodus when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage? But here in this passage, Jeremiah, he prophesied that there would be another exodus. He said that the people of Israel would come out of the north, which is Russia, by the way, as well as other countries, Listen to these important statistics. Back in 1984, Operation Moses led the airlift of 15,000 Jews who had fled to refugee camps in Sudan. In 1991, Operation Solomon flew 20,000 Jews to Israel from Ethiopia. In 1999, an airlift took place to transport the last 3,000 Jews who belonged to the Quora Jewish community in Ethiopia. And it's still happening today. The Jewish people from all over the world are flocking back to their land. The Jewish people are returning in droves. Sign number three. Another item that is on the stage is that Israel would no longer be under Gentile control. And the prophecy for that is in Luke chapter 21, verse number 24. The scripture says this, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. That was done with Titus the Roman in A.D. 76, A.D. 70, and notice this. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down by, of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And so from Titus the Roman until 1948, May the 14th, 1948, Israel was under the control of Gentiles. But now they govern their own country. They have a prime minister, a powerful military, a working government, and all these prophecies had to be fulfilled to set the wheel in motion of the end times. But there were other things significant that had to be in place as well. Sign number four, the prophet Daniel said this, that there would be an astronomical explosion of knowledge all over the world. I want you to turn with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 12, and verse number four. And I want you to see this prophecy. Daniel, chapter 12, verse number four. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and look at this, and knowledge shall be increased. The world has not seen knowledge like it sees knowledge today ever before. I want you to think with me, with all the technology that's out there today, we wonder what else can possibly come out of it. I mean, we have access to knowledge of the world just with our fingertips. People no longer have to go on a campus of a university. The capacity of gaining knowledge is astronomical just at our fingertips. And every month we're seeing some type of new advancements that are coming out that seems to outdate things before we call what is new has a chance to wear themselves out. Listen to this. 5,000 years ago, Job... The great servant of God, he wrote his words down on stone tablets. 4,000 years ago, Abraham recorded his words on clay tablets. 3,500 years ago, Moses used scrolls to record the first five books of the Bible. 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul had a scribe to write his own words down on parchment, which was a type of an animal skin. A little over 1,000 years ago, paper appeared for the first time in China. A little over 500 years ago, the printing press was invented. And now more than over 50 years ago, the computer was invented. And since then, nothing has ever been or will ever be the same. Daniel the prophet said that in the last days there would be an explosion of knowledge. And today we have the GPS, we have the cell phone, we have laptops, we have iPads, and things popping out everywhere. Knowledge is everywhere, abounding in astronomical ways. And Daniel the prophet said this would happen in the end of days. Sign number five the sign of global weather gone wild. Jesus said this would happen in the end. In Luke chapter 21, verse 25 and 26, the word says this, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. I want you to know just this morning prior to coming to the pulpit, I wanted it to be as fresh as I possibly could. And I did a little research that would give me a more up-to-date perspective on just this word earthquakes that are mentioned in the scripture. And this is what I found just early today. There was an earthquake that registered 5.9 on the Richter scale. There were 22 that registered 4.0. There were 91 that registered 3.0. And there were 216 that registered 2.0 or a little higher. That means that just this morning, there were over 320 earthquakes the biggest one in the Solomon Sea in Papua New Guinea, and the most recent after that was in Indonesia. I've noticed that when some of the news commentators, reporters are giving updates on catastrophic circumstances in the weather, you've just read about, heard about, you've seen on the news, the twin tornadoes that just tore up almost 200 miles Square out in Missouri and Kentucky and different places. But I've noticed that some of the news reporters are working, using words like apocalyptic and they're using words like, I've never seen things like this and they've used words like biblical proportions as they're trying to describe the devastation and the death that they were witnessing. Sign number six, I'm moving a little fast here for you because I want to pause a little bit with number eight, but sign number six, unbelievable days of deception. Let me read for you in Matthew 24, verse four and five. Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Right now, There are nine people who claim to be Jesus Christ on this earth. Some of them by name are very hard to pronounce. One in Brazil, one in South Africa, one in Siberia, one in England, one in Tokyo, one in Zambia, one in Australia one in New Mexico, and one in the Philippines, all claiming to be Jesus Christ. Jesus said, in the end, many will claim to be me. Many will come saying, I am the Christ. And let me emphasize this. That's a deception that will take place in these end times. But this particular deception will also be used in the tribulation as well. Because the Antichrist will set himself up as God and people will be deceived and worship him as if he were God. So this particular sign, the sign of deception, is going to take place not only prior to the rapture but also in the tribulation. Deception, because the devil's always used it as a tool that's greatly used in the last days. And we as God's people, we've got to be vigilant. We've got to be sober because people are so easily deceived today. You've got to know your Bible. That's why I encourage you to get into the truths of God's word. You've got to try the spirits and see if they be of God. You've got to seek guidance. You've got to walk in the spirit. We're all vulnerable to be deceived if we're not careful. More than ever, we're hearing about people coming out of the woodwork now saying that I am Jesus. Not only will there be deception in the last days, people claiming to be Jesus, but there's also people being deceived today about the multiple ways to get to heaven. By the way, there are not multiple ways to get to heaven. And it makes no difference what personality claims this, friend. Listen carefully. There are not multiple ways to heaven. There's only one. Jesus said, I am the way. The only way. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So it doesn't matter if it's Oprah Winfrey. It doesn't matter who it is. It's only Jesus. He said, I am the door, not a door. Now listen carefully, number seven. The threat of wars will be lurking Everywhere. In Matthew 24, verse 6, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. And that is so true. We're hearing about things like this every day. We turn the television on, we read the newspaper, and we're hearing about all of these countries fighting amongst themselves. And even in some cases where the United States has been involved, and I'm glad that we are out of Afghanistan and sorry the way that we left. But I will pray that God will be with our military, that he will strengthen our military and give our military leaders wisdom in the day of conflict. But Jesus said in the end, it's going to be everywhere. And then sign number eight. I want you to listen very carefully for the next few moments. Because sign number eight consists of famines and pestilence. In Matthew 24, verse 7 and 8, the word says this, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, what does the word pestilence mean? Pestilence means disease. Now, let me stress some things to you this morning. Because somebody might be asking the question, Pastor, we know that COVID-19 is a pestilence. It's a disease. And the question coming to me, maybe by many in here, maybe watching today, would be this. Pastor, is COVID-19 a sign of the time? Well, let me emphasize, I cannot say that it is the sign, but it is a sign. Never before in our lifetime have we ever experienced anything quite like this. It's certainly a devastation that's been brought upon the entire world. But it's not the first pestilence. And I want you to understand this very carefully. It's not the first pandemic or worldwide virus that has ever swept the globe. In 1918, the Spanish flu had estimated to kill a third of the world's population at that particular time. In 1957, there was a global flu called the Asian flu and it's said to have killed close to 2 million people with 116,000 in the United States. In 1968, there was what is known as the Hong Kong flu. was an estimation of killing one to four million people. In 2009, that is, it was what is called the H1N1, swine flu, that was said to have caused 12,469 United States deaths. So, COVID 19 is not the first pandemic that swept the globe. This word pestilence in the scriptures is mentioned 46 times. Out of the 46 times that the word pestilence is used in the scripture, it is found in 13 different books of the Bible. Pestilence goes all the way back to the days of Moses and David. Ezekiel, Jeremiah, in the days of Amos and Habakkuk. God has always used pestilence as a tool to deal with his people. God has always used pestilence as a way to deal with judgment and punishment on the earth. In fact, I want you to see something that I found very interesting concerning this. Is COVID-19 the sign? I don't know, but I will tell you this. From this point, with this type of pandemic, things are not going to get where we have ever known it to be comfortable and normal again in our lifetime. This situation with COVID-19, and again, I emphasize that God has used pestilence for thousands of years, but we have never seen anything like this. And now God is going to deal, I believe, with this earth in ways beyond our human ability to comprehend it. So I say this, first of all, I don't believe we can expect to ever go back to what we've known to be normal. And we as God's people are going to have to learn how to deal with this. We're going to have to learn how to live with it. We're going to have to, because let me tell you, it's, there are going to be others to come. And I'm going to show you something that might stagger your imagination all the way back in Ezekiel in just a moment. The pandemic that we're in now, there is going to be another one behind it. And there's going to be another one coming after that. And it's going to be another one coming after that. And we cannot live in fear. The Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear. God said that he wants the just to live by faith. And that's what we have to do. We can't listen. We, there's no bubble that we can shut ourselves in and and just hold our breath and pretend that everything is good. It's not. It is what it is. And this stuff is everywhere. I, I've not required you to live your life according to decisions I make or. Me, according to the decisions you make, you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you want to get a shot, get a shot. I have all three of them. I'm not telling you you have to, but I know people that would have been on a respirator without them. But I know people that died with all three. So I'm not going to be your Holy Spirit. But I will tell you this you cannot live in fear. You cannot do that. Should we be wise? Absolutely. Should we be careful? Absolutely. But you know what? Whether we had any kind of flu, you need to be wise about that. Just need to be wise. But here's the thing I want you to know. The COVID-19 is not the last pestilence that's coming on this earth. The ones coming behind this I I really don't know if I have an adjective that can explain it correctly. But I want to show you something in the book of Ezekiel that will stagger your imagination. And this is in the prophetic realm to where the scripture that I'm going to read for you right now happens in the tribulation. It happens at the end of the tribulation when the Lord Jesus comes back in the revelation. We're going to talk about all these subjects up close and personal. When the trump of God sounds, that's what we're waiting for now. We're not waiting for any more furniture to be set on the stage. It's all set. It's all in place. The next thing to happen on God's prophetic time calendar is the rapture. The trump of God will sound. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together. We'll meet the Lord in the air. We're going to be talking about that. That's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. The world will enter into a seven-year tribulation period. For the first three and a half years on this earth, there will be a total utopia of what is known as false peace. The church, the bride, will be at the judgment seat of Christ for those first three and a half years while this earth is going through what is known as the tribulation for the first three and a half years. Then the earth enters into what is called the great tribulation and the church in the air moves to the marriage supper of the Lamb and the, those that are left upon the earth will go through the remaining part of the tribulation. At the end of the seven years, at the end of the tribulation, Jesus returns in the revelation. It's then he will defeat the Antichrist where he will then make his journey from The Mount of Olives across the Kidron Valley through the Eastern Gate where he will rule and reign for a thousand years upon the throne of David. But I want you to see something. When he comes back, he is going to defeat the Antichrist with the spoken word. And the spoken word will carry out multiple ways of destruction. And I want you to see this in Ezekiel chapter 38. And by the way, this is the chapter that talks about the different countries that are going to come against Israel in the battle of Armageddon. They'll cross the Euphrates River and they will gather in the Valley of Jezreel and uh, the battle of Armageddon will take place. But I want you to see this in Ezekiel chapter 38. You have to remember now, this is a prophetic verse, this scripture has not been fulfilled yet. This is a scripture yet to be fulfilled. That's why we're talking about prophecies past, present, and future. This is a future prophecy that will take place at the revelation of Jesus when he comes after the seven years of tribulation. And this is what will happen in verse 22 of chapter 38. And I will plead against him with pestilence. That means that one of the things that is going to take place at the Battle of Armageddon, is that the Lord Jesus is going to bring with him a devastating pestilence. COVID 19 is bad, but things are going to get much worse on the earth and even much, much worse in the tribulation. Our minds cannot comprehend it because of how our lives have been altered already. Some saying you got to do this, to do that, and you can't do this, and if you don't do that, and all this stuff. By the way, it's all leading up to the mark of the beast, by the way. But look at this. I will, I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. And I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him and overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. This is talking about the battle of Armageddon. But let me show you the consequence of that with the pestilence that's coming in the tribulation. It's found in chapter 39 and verse number 12. I want to show you how great and severe this is going to be. Notice this. And seven months shall the house of Israel be burying of them that they may cleanse the land. It is going to take seven months to bury the dead. When Jesus comes back in the Revelation At the Battle of Armageddon, listen now, the pestilence is going to be so great on this earth, it's going to take people seven months to bury the dead. Seven months. And so when we think about what we're going through right now, it's bad. And things, but things will never get to where... They were when you watched Leave it to Beaver and Andy Griffin. They won't get to those places anymore. And that tells me this, and that tells you this, how close we are to the Lord's return. The earth cannot sustain itself too much longer. Everything is set in prophecy. For the return, we as believers we cannot we cannot live in fear. We have to walk in faith and use wisdom. Be smart. Do everything you know to to be right and healthy. But don't be dominated by fear. Prophecy number nine. In Matthew chapter 24, verse number 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So I want you to look at this very carefully. The first part of this verse or this passage, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. If you have bought books and bought CDs and tapes and magazines and all kinds of reading literature from people who claim to set a date knowing when Jesus is coming back, you have wasted your money. Nobody knows when Jesus is going to come. Not even the angels in heaven. The father only knows. But what's going on the earth right now? What's going on? In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and 7, how does this compare to the days of Noah? And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord That the Lord had made man on this earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man who I have created for the face, from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Now it doesn't mean that, mean that uh, God did anything that he had to repent from in some form or fashion of sin. God simply changed his mind in the direction that he was going. And prayer does change things, by the way, even in today's society. But back here and then, God changed his mind. Before the flood, the wickedness of man was so great that there was not a single restraint in his heart or in his mind. All of us know that this is at the pinnacle of where mankind is today. I've said it a thousand times, the things that are going on in this world right now, were not even in our imaginations 20 years ago. And number 10, heartless people. In Matthew 24, verse 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I think all of us are frozen where we stand sometimes to see some of the most heartless things imaginable recorded on whether it be closed-circuit video, whether it be video cameras, your cell phones, whatever. We see things all the time. We just take a step back and say, how could a human being do this to another human being? But according to the scripture, it's prophecy. It's going to happen. It does happen. So here's where we want to end the message today as our musicians come forward. Every one of us who are saved... What we need to do is not take our salvation for granted. Don't take the gospel for granted. Thank God for the gospel. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God that he brought Jesus out of the grave and gave us victory over hell, death, and the grave. Because he lives, we can live also. Thank God that he's made heaven a reality for those who believe and trust in Jesus. And also God, the great architect of all the eternal ages has seen fit to take us into his confidence concerning his plan for the future and has revealed his purpose and his program, I think in complete detail. And here's the thing right now, listen. Even though the stage is set, the signs of the times have been fulfilled, God in His mercy has still given us right now time to prepare. You'll not hear it on the six o'clock news, it won't be in the morning newspaper. Heads up, get ready, Jesus is coming. The Word of God has already told us He's coming. He said, if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. So you want a newspaper, you got it right here. It's just as fresh, even better than yesterday's news. He said he was coming. We believe it by faith. He's coming. The earth doesn't have to do anything else to get ready for his coming. The stage is set. He is coming. And I believe with all of my heart he is coming soon. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at Buford Road Baptist